The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome to the Utah Symphony's Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Jeff Counts, and I am joined today by Marianne Huntsman, pianist, who's performed recently at Carnegie Hall. Welcome. Thank you. Great to have you. I'm excited to be here. I wanted to talk to you particularly today about your work with young people and music. Sure. And I know that you've been involved with the University of Utah's piano outreach program. How did you get connected with that project? That started about seven or eight years ago. I was living in Utah at the time, and a couple of us girls that were pianists got together. We started performing around the state and then had this idea of, you know, why don't we try to make this into concerts for this outreach program, which ended up being quite successful. Um, I think now we have them in a couple of schools around the state. I was able to go and teach in a couple of them, and we had about... 12 keyboards that were donated to the school. Just seeing these young kids, Mm -hmm. you know, who wouldn't be able to have lessons otherwise come in and have music lessons and um, to learn about the piano was just so fulfilling for me. Let's talk about that a second. What do you think the benefits are for uh, of exposure to piano study? And we're talking about elementary school students who, as you said, don't have access to instrumental music. What do you, what do you hope they take away from the experience? There have been studies that, you know, you do better in school, better in certain subjects. Um, But I think for me, the most important thing was watching their attitudes sort of grow. I mean, you'd you'd see them come in at first and, you know, some of them were, I wouldn't say lonely, but, you know, just didn't really have a passion, I guess. And then after a few weeks of teaching them and and, um, getting them more introduced to music, they would come in with a smile on their face and they'd be so excited. That was like the highlight of my day to be able to go down there and and be able to teach these kids. And actually some of them now, um, because this was, I don't know, seven years ago, some of them now are um, studying music in school. That's the truest test, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's just so amazing to me. And you probably saw them walking into the room that first day having absolutely no frame of reference for what you were about to expose them to. We would put on these concerts where we would invite them and their families to come and they had never been to a concert before. So for them, you know, it was it was great to see them have these dreams mm-hmm. saying, okay, I want to be a pianist someday or a musician or whatever. And I would say that was one of the most... Um, fulfilling things for me to watch. You're you're pretty busy these days. Are you able to stay involved with this? After things settle down, I would love to to focus on that because I think it's so important yeah, to absolutely. to have this um, as a young child. I know when I was little, I saw people perform for the first time when I was like five or six, and that was something that I you know that that gave me a dream. Yeah, and absolutely. Hope. Um, and that's something that I would love to bring to children across the country, especially kids who don't have an opportunity to have lessons. Absolutely. Well, as a as a resident of the state and a, and a and a part of this industry, I I thank you for what you've done already. I know that you've you've done other similar efforts as well. And I think about um, I did some reading about this Peak and Abyss Foundation that you worked with in 2014. Are there any other projects? like that, that are, yeah. that you've got in the works? They had approached me a couple years ago and they said, we would love for you to be our artist for this Carnegie Hall show, which I was, I was very honored. So I really studied it and um, was like, wow, this is such a great organization where they bus all these kids into Carnegie Hall, which they, I mean, these kids never would have been able to go to a concert at Carnegie Hall. And so what they did was they filled five rows of kids 
I think never would have had a chance to go to a concert like this. And I think that made it more um, special for me to do this concert. Absolutely. I would love to start something like this um, across the country. There's a lot of kids that I think need the kind of exposure that you're giving them here and that the, that they got in Carnegie Hall. I'm surprised there weren't adults trying to sneak onto those buses. <laughs> It's hard to get to Carnegie Hall even as an adult. Yes. So the Utah Symphony, you know, we, you know that we present talented young soloists each year in the in the annual Salute to Youth concert. In what ways beyond that, in your opinion, do you think professional orchestras could and should support young musicians? I think the Utah Symphony has done such a great job of supporting young musicians. I know when I was little, I started doing these competitions um, at the age of eight, and something that I I looked forward to as a final result was to uh, play with the Utah Symphony. And I think all of these young musicians, that was where they wanted to get to. Um, and so I think the Utah Symphony's done a great job supporting young musicians. Absolutely. And it makes you work even harder, you know, to have those goals. You know, speaking of kids, I feel like kids can be very perceptive and they don't even know it. So you've had a lot of kids hear you play over the years based on your efforts as an educator behind the keyboard. I mean, tell us some of the interesting things kids have said to you about about your playing and about the experience. And I mean, what's one of the best things you've ever heard from a kid about it? When I did the Carnegie Hall concert, I had um, all of my students that I was teaching at the time at the Avenue School in New York, they all came. And I don't think any of them had ever been to a concert before because they were all young students. Um, but they all came to the lessons after and they said, I want to practice more. I want to, you know, I want to work harder. I want to you know, do this so I can play that. I mean, I've had a lot of <laughs> different things said to me from kids. Um, I played a piece that was really fast. I had one kid come up to me and, and say, do you think I can learn a piece where my hands can look like that? <laughs> and I was like, well. <laughs> I've been told by other musicians um, that the greatest compliment they ever get when they play is when a fellow musician tells them that they want to go practice based on what they yeah. just heard. I think for me too, I've had so many students come up after saying, how many hours do you practice? I think that's probably the the question that gets asked the most, right. you know, because as a young kid, you have no idea how many hours you need to practice. It's like, I don't want to practice for more than 30 minutes. And, and the amount of time that you actually practice would be a number oh, they couldn't right. possibly understand. When I tell them, it's like, oh, really? We have to practice that much? Yeah, to kids, yeah. a 30-year-old person is a very old person, and two hours is an eternity. Oh, it's an eternity. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I would love to see more kids um, come out to these concerts because mm -hmm. I think it's so... Um, it's not only is it educational, but I remember the first concert I ever went to was actually the Utah Symphony. I did want to talk to you yeah. about that because wasn't there a very important piece on there that was. concert? There was. So I Tell was seven story. years old and I had never been to a symphony before mm -hmm. uh, or a symphony concert. I had listened to classical music, but sure. I had never seen it live. Right. Um, and so a classmate had asked me last minute if I wanted to go uh, with her family to the Utah Symphony. So I said, sure. And I had no idea what I was going to see. Um, and they happened to be playing the rock too, um, which I had never heard before. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they played it and the second movement brought tears to my eyes, which it, it probably was does pretty still. crazy. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Uh, so I went home to my parents and I said, I really want to play this piece someday with the symphony. So they went out and bought a recording of it and yeah. we played it in the car nonstop until my siblings were. They had had enough. They're like, we can't listen to this anymore. <laughs> but, um, but it was something like that that gave me 
you know, my dream and my goal. And I, that's what I hope to give to, um, to young musicians. So that experience those years ago has come full circle and you're performing mm-hmm. that very piece with us yes. on our 1617 opening gala. What an what yes. interesting full circle. I, mean, I know. How does that feel? It feels great. You know, when the Utah Symphony first asked me to open up their season, we had no idea what we were going to play yet. Sure, sure. And I had looked on their list of the concertos they had coming up and I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know, because they are all concertos that are in my repertoire. So sure. I'm like, I have no idea, yeah. you know, what we're going to do because I didn't think that, uh, I thought that Rachmaninoff second was probably out of the question because mm-hmm. it might be played it does get too played often. Yeah. So I yeah. didn't even think that that would be an option. And then they came back and they said, we want to do the Rachmaninoff second piano concerto. And I was like, wow, okay, that's really exciting. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was, I was even more excited when I they, bet. um, they asked me to do that piece. Especially given that experience so, you had as a kid. Yeah, that's just exactly. So exactly. We ask so. one very strange question of all of our guests mm-hmm. on the ghost light podcast. Mm-hmm. And it, because of our name is, have you ever seen a ghost? <laughs> Tell us a ghost story. Marianne. I don't know if I've ever seen an actual ghost, but um, I do have this weird experience last year when I was getting ready to do a concert. I was playing um, a Chopin piece. Actually, I was playing a couple of Chopin pieces, but um, but Chopin was in my dream and he was telling me how to play this certain part really? of, of the Chopin fantasy that I was playing. Was yeah, it good and advice? so I woke up the next morning and I was like, I remembered the dream. Yeah. And I'm like, but this is really weird. There's no way. And I went and played this section the way that he no told me way. to play it. <laughs> and it was like, wow, I think this is like how I'm supposed to play it. You, now, you had a visitation. I think I don't that know. qualifies. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't want to sound crazy or anything, but no. I remember telling my little sister who was there at the time and she's like, Really? did that actually happen? And I played her the section that yeah. um, she thought it was so crazy and weird. But that, yeah, I don't know if, if it counts as like... <laughs> absolutely it does. Um, Thank you so much. But yeah, that's kind of a crazy experience. I haven't had anything else like that, but... That's, um, that would be a hard one to compete with. Yeah. Well, we look forward to having you so, with us very soon on stage. Thank you, Marianne me Huntsman, too. thank you so much for joining us Thanks on the Ghost Light Podcast. Me. Marianne performs Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. 2 tomorrow evening on Tuesday, September 13, as part of Utah Symphony's opening gala concert. Beethoven's Fifth Symphony is also on the program. This week, we also welcome guest pianist Emmanuel Axe, who performs Beethoven's Emperor Piano Concerto on September 16 and 17 with music director Thierry Fisher. Tickets for performances are at utahsymphony.org. The Ghostlight Podcast is produced by Chad Call. Utah Symphony Utah Opera's season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation. <laughs>